Hello, Marvelites, who are listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 580. And I'm Ryan Panagos, aka Agent M. And I'm Lorraine Singh. Tell me, what are your, like, holiday decorations for your house like? Now that we are back on our feet, feeling healthy, we were able to go get our Christmas tree. But, you know, we are a bi-faith household, so we, we have our Hanukkah stuff up. We have our Christmas stuff up. So we put up our Christmas tree, which admittedly, there's a lot more Christmas stuff because I'm a lot more extra. We got a little family of light up deer that live in the front yard now. So big step for us because we don't know how to put lights on a house. We're city people. And and then, you know, we have lots of random decor. I was very excited to put up my Krampus. So, you know, we've got all, all areas you got a Krampus? of- Where'd you get a Krampus? I want a Krampus. I got a Krampus in Salem. He's a little blown glass Krampus and he looks so cranky, but happy to be cranky. <laughs> We have an 11-foot-tall inflatable Santa. Excellent. And uh, like a four-foot-tall polar bear with a Santa hat that when Catherine first saw it blown up, she gave it a big hug. So that was a success. We've got Smug Penguin, which is a penguin with a Santa hat. We also have two-and-a-half-foot-tall plush Yoda and Chewbacca both with Santa outfits on. And I don't know why they exist, but we're very happy that they do. Also, I feel like this little family of deer in our yard, like I will hold on to these memories forever because me and my sick husband, we were like, we can totally put these together. We're totally healthy enough now. And they're also covered in glitter. That's important context. So when we put them together in our living room, I was like, we can just do it in the living room. We're sick, but we'll do it. And we were like, we could barely breathe. (laughs) We were like having to blow our nose every two seconds. And then now there's just glitter all over our living room for all of time. My dogs are covered in glitter. And now we're just a glitter house. That's what we are. Sparkle, sparkle, baby. Yeah, because this is This Week in Glitter, the (laughs) official Marvel podcast where we talk about what's happening this week in Marvel, whether it's games, comics, movies, TV, or all the things we're excited about, including glitter. Yeah. And of course, this week, we're keeping the party going for Marvel Studios, Black Panther, Wakanda forever. We have folks from the cast on this week's episode for some special interview action, as well as composer Ludwig Gorenson. So that is going to be super fun. And there has been just a whole bunch of studios goodness. Lots of cool stuff out of Comic-Con Experience 22 in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Yeah. First up, I just want to say... That's such a great show. Our fans in Sao Paulo, uh, our fans amazing. in Brazil, period, are amazing. I got to go to the show a couple of years ago, and it was so much fun, and they're so passionate, and it's huge. It's a, it's a gigantic comic convention. So if any of our listeners are in Brazil, please let us know. I hope you get to go to the show and experience it. Everybody comes in like full force and does some really cool stuff, like as Lorraine was saying, Marvel Studios, bringing Marvel Studios, Ant-Man, and the Wasp, Quantumania, a very special look for the film. So you had Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, Jonathan Majors, filmmaker Peyton Reed, producer Kevin Feige, there at the show to share insights and a new special sneak peek of footage from the epic film that is coming up. And it's like, it's a really cool retrospective look at Ant-Man and the Wasp in their roles in the MCU since they first debuted. You've got footage from Marvel Studios' Ant-Man, Captain America Civil War, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Avengers Endgame, plus a little taste of the upcoming film, Marvel Studios' Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. You can watch it right now on Marvel.com or on the YouTube page. Yeah, and of course, Marvel Studios' Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania arrives in theaters on February 17th of 2023, which is in approximately five minutes from now. 
Also out of CCXP22, as it's called, Kevin Feige also introduced Zoe Saldana, who of course plays Gamora, before they debuted the trailer for Marvel Studios Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. You can also watch it on Marvel.com. Also, I think that's really cool because a lot of times, you know, some of the stuff that gets debuted at Comic-Cons does not get to go out into the public. So I think this is really cool that this got shared on social media so folks can see it, enjoy it, love it. I don't want to call anything out. You just need to go watch the trailer, watch it 50 times. Watch so closely. There's a moment where Rocket gets a hug. It touches my heart. I'm super excited about it. There's also a gold guy in there. No comment. Just go watch the trailer. Super excited for it. I think this is going to be a really wonderful adventure. The Guardians are still reeling from the loss of Gamora, as we saw in the Infinity Saga. Peter Quill is now going to have to rally the team to once again defend the universe. We have so much great stuff in the trailer, so go check it out. And of course, Marvel Studios Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 comes exclusively to theaters on May 5th of 2023. There's so much about that trailer. Like yeah. Rocket calls Star-Lord Pete. There's a simple way that that is said and the tone and the meaning and the familiarity that family vibe that has been building the story for mm. all these characters and just the fact that in this year every year we get stuff that blows my dumb mind as a marvel <laughs> fan of almost 40 years to be like we're getting a movie or we're getting a series with this character showing up or that char i just we are blessed i am thankful i'm excited for that so much more to talk about as we get into phase five baby it's exciting the mcu wow. ever growing yeah um all right let's shift gears a little bit talk about marvel's midnight suns of course because we want to remind y'all that the game is out now please go check it out get your hands on it it is a ton of fun get through the tutorial the first couple like hour two hours and really once the game opens up and you get to start exploring and really get into the mechanics and getting the full story of everything it is a true Triple D, a ding-dang delight. Of course, last week we had our interview with the game's creative director, Jake Solomon, who, God, I love him. You guys fell in bro love. Yeah, I did talk to him again that you can hear Aww. this week on Marvel's Pull List. I'll talk about that a little bit later. But now you can check out a new Women of Marvel Asked and Answered with character artist on Marvel's Midnight Suns, Esther Dedini James, who gives some really cool insight into working on Marvel's Midnight Suns. Check that out over on Marvel.com. But the game stuff keeps on coming. Marvel Snap, our one true love and inspiration, has a new music video. It was showcased at the Game Awards, where Marvel Snap has been nominated for Best Mobile Game of the Year. And there's a new track called Hero by DJ slash producer Martin Garrix and singer-songwriter producer Jake. The video is inspired by the game as well as the epic Marvel love stories. It shows off some classic Marvel pairings like Spider-Man and Mary Jane, Storm and Black Panther, Vision and Scarlet Witch, you know, all the people who have the worst breakups. <laughs> and there's a new in-game hero event featuring special themed rewards, offers, and events. So to start, all of the players that log into Marvel Snap will receive a free Storm Hero variant card illustrated by the original concept artist that worked on the Black Panther and Storm character designs for the hero music video. Hunter Gonzalez Maya, 
After the one-week free login reward window, that Storm Hero variant card will be added to the token shop as an ultimate variant, so you can go check it out over there if you miss it. But Marvel Snap also launched a limited-time Hero variant bundle available for purchase in-game now, which includes variants of many of the characters featured in the music video, so check that out. Plus, there are new variants that include anime variants for Angela and Sarah, which is awesome. There are some chibi variants that are super cute for Spider-Man and Sandman. There's night variants with Rogue and Gambit, plus new variants for Black Panther, Doctor Doom, Invisible Woman, Reed Richards, and Storm. And of course, Marvel Snap is available in 13 languages across the world and available to download on mobile and PC. So go check it out, marvelsnap.com, or go pick it up in your app store or wherever you get your games. Love to see it. So much cool stuff that's always being added to Marvel Snap. It's no wonder that they were nominated for Best Mobile Game of the Year. I will say... We record this show early because we release it very early a.m. on Fridays, so we are recording it before the Game Awards. So I will say, if Marvel Snap wins, congratulations, Marvel Snap. Well-deserved. You are the best mobile game. And if Marvel Snap doesn't win, y'all messed up. Everyone out there, if you didn't vote for Marvel Snap, you did this to us. You are a broken society if you did not choose Marvel Snap as the best mobile game of the year. How dare you? Wow. All right, let's move on to Marvel Contest of Champions because there's a new character in the game. We've got Mantis. You can watch the trailer that shows off their skills and abilities over at Marvel.com and the Marvel YouTube channel. And of course, download Marvel Contest of Champions on the App Store or on Google Play. Yeah, they're always adding good stuff over there. The woman who helped us plan our wedding said that her husband plays Marvel Contest of Champions so much that it was in their wedding vows. What? Yeah. <laughs> what? It, people are dedicated. Uh, let's talk about some gifts. There are more gift guides going up all the time on Marvel.com. Tis the season to be shopping. So definitely go and check out all of those lists. There are some recent ones for Funko Pops and Lounge Fly Bags. A couple of things that I cannot get enough of and I frankly have so many of. The amount of lounge fly bags, Ryan, that I own is outrageous. <laughs> There's another guy that has some great print-to-order shirts from Amazon. Hot tip, if you didn't know, you can head over to Amazon.com and they have like a Marvel design vault that is full of all kinds of different Marvel stuff that you can get custom. You can choose what color, what size, all that jazz, and it's super great. Go check that out and many, many more holiday gift guide lists over on Marvel.com. There's a gingerbread cookie Avengers shirt, which is really cute, really fun, and it comes in a sweatshirt version. I am contemplating yeah. it. I am contemplating. I feel like that's a really solid choice. They're very cute. Yeah. I will also say it's a time of giving and, and, and gifting and all that stuff. If you have a toy donation or a toy drive or anything like that around you, please, if you have the means, support it. We have a local burger place by us, which we love called Bronx Burger House. And the woman who manages it does so much for our community. And so I boxed up a bunch of Marvel Legends that I was able to feel good parting with and a bunch of other toys and some books that hadn't been read and used. And Catherine and I brought the box there. So I asked her to help me. And so she and I are walking down the street where she's like holding this big box. She's not really holding <laughs> it, but like, and then she she sees the woman. She's like, here, Miss Laura toys for the the toy drive and it was it was so great it was really good always remember that there are others out there who uh deserve some gifts deserve some love so if you have the means i love that do something for them maybe you want to get them a copy later next year of it's jeff 
number one. That's a great comic to give to everyone. It is written by Kelly Thompson, art by Gurehiru, and it is a one-shot with a collection of the Infinity comics that were in and are in Marvel Unlimited, but it also includes a brand new cover and a brand new story. It is the sweetest, most pure, most fun, best comic ever. It is about Jeff and Landshark, who goes and has adventures across the Marvel Universe, whether it's doing laundry or in a swimming pool or eating food or getting into hijinks and shenanigans. It's just the best. It's Jeff. Yeah. So if you read those Infinity comics and you're like, gosh, I wish I had those in print, you know, this is a great chance to go pick up that one shot collection. Plus, it has a brand new cover and story in it. But now you can have it on your shelf just where it belongs. But if you want to put something in your ear holes, let's talk about that. There is a new Marvel's Wastelanders in town. It is the long-awaited final chapter of Marvel's Wastelanders. The big culmination of all of those previous series has arrived. It's going to be a 10-episode weekly series. This is the sixth installment of the Marvel's Wastelanders saga. There has already been Marvel's Wastelanders Star-Lord, Hawkeye, Black Widow, Wolverine, and Doom. And so this is the big moment that everything converges together. And it's the first ever podcast that we've done as a crossover event from Marvel and SiriusXM, which is super duper cool. The series is directed by Kimberly Sr., who worked on Marvel's Wastelander Star-Lord. It is co-written by Nick Bernadone, who you might know from Fear the Walking Dead, as well as Jay Holtham, who worked on Marvel's Jessica Jones and Marvel's Wastelander's Hawkeye, and Mark Wade, a comic book legend. You know him, you love him. And the original sound design is by 1,000 Birds, the organization, not just 1,000 Random Birds. I was very, I was like, kudos to everybody who were able to wrangle 1,000 birds to really create a sound design for this, because that is that is a monumental feat. No, 1,000 birds, the organization, they also worked on Marvel's Wastelanders Hawkeye. It has original music by Lindsay Jones, and the series art is inked by Steve McNiven and colored by Laura Martin. And this is going to be a really exciting series. Also, this is a perfect moment. If you haven't listened to all of those series just yet, you can absolutely go back, catch up on any that you missed as you go into this series. The show is going to be about Wolverine, Black Widow, Star-Lord, Hawkeye, and Doctor Doom will team up to stop Valeria Richards. She's the smartest woman on Earth, immortal and lonely beyond reason. After surviving a rain of nuclear missiles in Southern California and gaining possession of the reality-warping cosmic cube, she was driven to the brink of madness. Something mysterious is unfolding in the irradiated dead zone, and it's up to our heroes to find out what and to stop Valeria from committing an act of ultimate evil. Super excited for the story to all come together in this moment. And in fact, let's take a listen to the trailer right now. Valeria Richards. The great Victor Von Doom. Valeria, you cannot control the Cosmic Cube. It will destroy everything. The Cosmic Cube? That's what's causing this? I can remake this one. I'm going to make it perfect. I'm going to get it all back. Everything I lost. At what cost? At any cost. They are coming here. Wolverine. Shit, I'm not playing your game. Black Widow. Something big's going on here, huh? Star-Lord. We're likable guys. Hawkeye. Okay, so we're all here. We've all been assembled. Yeah, whatever. We're all friends. One big happy family. Avengers! Assemble! 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 Assemble!
And what happens to us? We all, all of us, die. Now, that's less cool. <laughs> Marvel Entertainment and Series XM present Marvel's Wastelanders, starring Dylan Baker as Doctor Doom, Timothy Busfield as Star-Lord, Stephen Lang as Hawkeye, Robert Patrick as Wolverine, and Susan Sarandon as Black Widow. Hear it now. Plus, unlock exclusive bonus episodes by subscribing to Marvel Podcast Unlimited on Apple Podcasts. Learn more at SiriusXM.com slash Wastelanders. All right, there you have it. Chapters one and two are now available on the SXM app and Marvel Podcasts Unlimited on Apple Podcasts. And chapter one is also available on Pandora, Stitcher, and all other major U.S. podcast platforms. Go check it out. All right, of course, we have more podcasty goodness for you. We've got the Women of Marvel podcast. This season, it's all about the power of mentorship, and it's hosted by Angelique Roche, Ellie Pyle, and Judy Stevens. And this week, it's all about Storm and Kate Pride. Our pal Robin Belt gives a whole rundown of their relationship, walking through several key comics issues. Robin works on a lot of cool comic stuff, Marvel Unlimited. She does really great stuff, and she's got a deep, deep knowledge. So this is a great episode if you want to learn about Storm and Kate Pride. Of course, women of Marvel is out every Thursday. Listen on the SiriusXM app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to see it. Ryan, what's mm. going on on Marvel's pull list this week? What's happening? Yeah, so of course, Marvel's pull list is all about every comic that comes out every week. We give our picks this week. Our picks are... Dark Web number one, which is the big X-Men, Spider-Man crossover shenanigans with just sentient, demonically possessed <laughs> objects. If you want to see a mailbox eat somebody, you got to get on that Dark Web train, baby. Love it's it. Fantastic. This is a big week. I think it's out next week. There's a story all about the tree at Rockefeller Center and the X-Men and Spider-Man having to battle the tree, it is traumatizing and wonderful. I <laughs> love, love it. it. I love it, love it, love it. Anyway, there's also our picks this week include Miles Morales, Spider-Man number one, and Thanos Death Notes number one and Thor number 29. We've picked an extra issue this week because Thanos Death Notes leads directly into Thor, and they're both very closely like tied together, but so, so good. Really great comics this week. And then for our reading club, where we dive into a classic with a creator or someone associated with Marvel, we have, as I mentioned earlier, Marvel's Midnight Suns creative director, Jake Solomon, on to talk about Spirits of Vengeance, Rise of the Midnight Suns, one of the most 90s comic stories <laughs> to ever 90s. And it is a true delight. It is wild and a lot of fun. It's really neat if you are a fan of the new Marvel's Midnight Suns game to see how this comic series influenced the game in many ways and where they diverged from it. Really, really fun conversation. Of course, Marvel's pull list is out every Tuesday. Listen to it on the SiriusXM app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, do it. And now we're not even done yet because we're just getting started. We have some folks from Marvel Studios, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. First up, we have composer Ludwig Gornson talking with Marvel.com editor and 
friend of the show, Rachel Page. And he talks about how he incorporates themes from previous films versus crafting something new, which I think is always really interesting because there's a long legacy of music within the MCU that different characters have all these incredible themes and things that are already established. But of course, we have Namor, which opens up some new interesting doors with some Mayan influence on the music as well. So let's listen to that interview with composer Ludwig Gordonson right now. How are you, Ludwig? <laughs> I am doing great. Excited to be here. The score is gorgeous. I love it so much. So let's dive right in here. The new score we have only elevates some of the themes we already know and love from the first Black Panther. How much did you want to incorporate some of the original music versus creating brand new sounds? Well, from the beginning, when I read the first script, I was, you know, I was, I had a very different approach to what the music was going to be because the first rendition had Chadwick in it. So I was, you know, I was like, oh, okay, we can, you know, we're going to reuse these themes, we're going to use these drums, we're going to use these sounds. But then, you know, when he passed away, I was obviously thinking what we're going to do, but also like, how how would it sound if we used his music again? And, and like, because so many, so many of the sounds and so many of the instruments and so many of the themes were tied to him and his character, and it has such a big emotional weight to it. Just the talking drum, it was like the that was like the lead instrument in the first movie. How would we be able to use that in one kind of forever in a way where it feels right? So what I started with was starting focusing on the telecon and on Namor. And okay, this is you know I read the script and I quickly realized that you know Ryan was telling me how this world is inspired by Mayan culture. I started researching and, and reading about Mayan culture. And quickly realized that you know Mayan music is gone. There's no traces of it. It was erased. It was forcibly erased 500 years ago by the conquistadors. And uh, we don't know how it sounds like. We don't know how it was played. But there was musical experts, musical archaeologists in Mexico that I went to work with. I flew out to Mexico City and I spent some time there working with musical archaeologists that were specializing in trying to like reimagine what Mayan music sounded like. And they found instruments in the graves. They've been seeing the codex and seeing paintings on what some of the formations that the musicians were walking in, like five people playing the turtle shells together, three people behind them playing with the horns and playing the seashells. So they knew we could kind of find out some details on what instruments were used. And if you look at the instruments, you can see that what they found in the graves, you can see at the instruments, like all oh, these, these holes on the flutes were used the most because of the fingerprints on there. So we're trying to recreate and reimagine what Mayan music sounded like. So that was the beginning moment of trying to create the music world for the telecom. And now Shuri, we've obviously already seen in the first Black Panther movie, and she's got a little bit of a theme there, but now she's taking on such a much larger role and her score does sound a little bit different. Yeah. What is it like taking an already established character and creating a new sound for her? You know, that was also something that was so interesting because I was, first of all, first I was thinking, okay, we can maybe use her theme from the first movie. Like obviously the story, carrying the story to that, to that story arc. But she's a completely different person. She's had a completely different emotional state. She's not that kid anymore that you see in the first film. You know, she's she's now a grown woman, and she's dealing with these heavy subjects. Just in the beginning, she's dealing with the the grief and 
So the music theme kind of evolved through her inner feelings of grief. And that's when you hear, that's how her theme starts. When, when you see her being inside of her head and she's thinking about, you know, she, you can see her inner struggles. And the first time you hear her melody, it's coming out from a solo voice. And it's this intimate vocals that I recorded with Georgia Smith. This theme keeps evolving through the story arc of the movie and it's growing and then growing and growing. And then when she finally realizes what type of leader she is, you know, it bursts out to these huge, big synthesizers. And there's also a moment where that theme, you understand that that theme works together in symbiose with the Black Panther theme. I love the added synth of her score just because it's so familiar, but also so new and different at the same time. It is very exciting to hear in the theater. And how would you describe how her theme is different from Namor's theme? Because they are both two powerful rulers now. Like, how are they alike and how are they different? Yeah, and, and so Namor's theme is played by the seashell. It was an early choice I made because that was already in the script. The seashell had a big storyline in the script, or was tied to his character in the script. And the seashell is a very interesting instrument. It almost sounds like a French horn. It's similar, but obviously you can't really play a lot of notes on it. You know, it's, it's kind of limited in how you move your hand in the seashell. And there's also the sizes of the seashells. But his sounds are coming out of these very organic sounds and instruments that are coming from the ocean. It sounds like the turtle shells, it's seashells, it's like different rattles from shells from the ocean and from different sounds that sounds like snakes, snake rattles and things that sounds like wings. So it's very, very based off organic sounds from the environment, from the nature. So it's, it's very specifically also tied to sound design. But also his story arc is also carried by these beautiful songs that I wrote in with some incredible artists in Mexico, like his origin story sung by this incredible artist, Vivir. And it has a rap in it by another woman who says, her name is Mari. And when we did that song together, I thought that was such a magical moment. You know, I hadn't seen the movie back then, but I had the script. So we wrote the song based on the script. And that's how all the songs in the movie was written, based on the script, you know, every word every tone, every note was written specifically for the storyline of the movie. So when we wrote that song for Nameless Origin Story, I thought that melody, the vocal melody was so interesting and it was so unique. And so I was like thinking like, is there any way I could, we could tie this in together with the sirens that you hear like they're singing and they're, they're kind of sonar sound in the beginning of the movie. So you kind of get that complete story arc throughout the whole movie. And the same with the Rihanna song in the end, you know, that that song is just a, that you hear fragments of that song throughout the whole score. And it's really about creating an immersive, complete experience for the audience where you don't think about songs, you don't think about score, you just completely immersed in your seat, seeing all these images, seeing all these colors for the first time. I do need to know if you have a favorite composition or music moment throughout the entire film. I have a couple. One, like one of my first ones is uh, when she's giving birth in the water. I used that part of the song, the song I wrote in Mexico, when Mari starts rapping and, and she's rapping and she's whispering at the same time. I remember that moment in the studio when I was, her, her voice was so incredible. So I was like, what if you whisper here? I hadn't seen the images. I hadn't seen the movie. I read the script. 
but when I saw the images of the movie, and also Vivir at the time, she was also blowing like, <sighs> because I told her in the script, like they don't breathe. So she started doing that in a song and that came together so organically. So that moment's when the, the, the birth scene is one of my favorite moments. And then also the big uh, Shiri reveal, you know? It is also amazing. I love it all so much. Thank you so much for this. And I am so excited for everyone else to see and hear. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Big thanks to Ludwig Gorenson for coming on the show. Of course, hear his music in Marvel Studios, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and elsewhere. So dang good. But that's not it. We have even more. We have a bunch of cast members from Marvel Studios, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever here for you. Our pal Rachel Page also got to speak to Letitia Wright, who plays Shuri, to Notch Huerta, who plays Namor, Alex Livanelli, who plays Atuma, and Mabel Cadena, who plays Namora. So good. So many cool people here. They talked about filming underwater, what they hope audiences get out of the film, and so much more. Let's hear from them right now. Hello, Letitia Wright and Tanach Huerta. How are you both? We are well. How are you Thank doing? Thank you. I'm very excited to talk to you, Mabel. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Hello, Alex. How are you? Thank you for coming. Thank you for being here. It's uh, it's, it's very exciting. It's very surreal, everything that's happening. And, and you know, I'm just like going in for the ride. <laughs> Tanach, why isn't Namor your typical run-of-the-mill antagonist? Because, uh, well, I think, I think he is a guy that you can empathize with him because you know his motivation and the reasons why he's taking this decision all the time. We try to build a simple human being, you know, a normal human being, a simple man, of course, with superpowers and all the background, but, but at the end, his motivation are as simple as, like, uh, you know, protect the people that you love, protect your family, uh, use every tool and every chance around you that you can take to, to protect them, you know, to save uh, the things that you love the most. How are Wakanda and Talakan alike and how are they different, Alex? Oh, they're, 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 they're so similar. You know, these are two powerful advanced nations that are away from the world in order to, to preserve their way of life, to protect their, their resources, their, their technology. And then there's a conflict in between them, you know, and I honestly believe that both sides are, are, are doing the best they can to preserve their way of life, their resources, their interests. And towards the end, you know, you see the Wakandans take one approach and, and us, the Wakandans, you know, we take a different approach. But it's all coming from a place of, you know, how can we move forward and live our life without anyone threatening us? Letitia. They're both nations that have such rich culture and heritage that would prefer to be hidden from the world. But now the world is, is slowly chipping away at their existence and trying to take what belongs to them. And, and I think the ways in which they're different is in the way they would go about protecting what belongs to them. Tanach. For me, the main difference is Wakanda has never been conquered. So they had to hide themselves from the exterior war, but never have been conquered. So it makes a big difference between these two kingdoms. And of course, how they solve the problems, 
one of them, I mean Wakanda is really optimistic and Talakan is pessimistic. So it's a different point of view because of their own history. Mabel, Namora is so serious. I love her first introduction where like she doesn't say anything. She just like gives this look and I'm like, oh, I do not want to mess with her. What was it like creating this like so serious, so stoic, she's getting the job done character? Well, I, I think Ryan helped me a lot for, for, for me that because, well, sometimes in the movie, Ryan asked me, hey, smile, smile. And I smile, but they cut that scenes in the movie. And, and now I feel proud about Namora in the movie because it's like, She's very serious about protecting their people and, and protecting them more. And she's a warrior and, and, and she don't want to lose the control, you know? And this is amazing because she's an intelligent woman and, and always the only woman could ask some things to name or so. The seriously to me, it's amazing. <laughs> Tanoch, I have heard that you filmed an entire monologue underwater. Yeah, I, I did it, but nobody nobody heard nothing. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was so good, you know. I wasn't in, in that throne with the helmet and all the things around the people in front of me, and uh, you know. It felt so good, you know, it was a powerful sensation and I was able to hold my breath for a long time. So we repeated, you know, like a couple of times on the, sh on the same shot. So I just went through the, the text, the ideas, and then of course we, we made the, the voiceover. Uh, we, you know, record all the words and everything, but that moment, the acting, the feelings, all the things that are happening in his mind and his heart. I don't know, it was, it was so, so great, such a great experience. To me, the first day was crazy because I, I know how to do my job, but I don't know how to do the job under the water, you know? It's completely different acting under the water. I asked to my assistants, hey, please record the screen because I need to look my face. I'm very perfectionist, so I need use the recorders for acting, but it was a lot of time training. You don't need just the physical strength, you, you need the mental strength for make a job like this. What are you most excited for fans to see in the movie? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just excited for people to see the ways in which these characters connect. I think it's a piece of art because it has multiple dimensions. It's a big question mark, this movie. You know, and you have to solve the problem. You have to find your answer for all the topics in this fantastic movie. Representation, diversity. The fans can hear a lot of language in the movie. You can you can hear Spanish, English, Maya, French. This this is amazing. You can you can see a lot of faces in our movie. And as Mexican, I feel very proud about our job in the film and I'm excited about that. Oh my God, there's so much action. Uh, we got underwater action, we got uh, in the air action, we got terrestrial action. And the action, did I say action? 
this community of Tabucan, you see how the Wakandans are and, and what Wakanda forever means to them is such a strong, powerful message. And just having conversations with my language coach, with Tenoch, with Mabel, it's like, we need a Wakanda forever. We need something that represents us. And looking for the exact words to translate into Mayan, we came up with Talocan Rises. And uh, the phrase in Mayan is, Liki Talocan! You guys are really gonna get a kick out of that. And of course, if you haven't already, or if you have, I don't care, go see it again. Go experience Marvel Studios' Black Panther Wakanda forever in theaters. It's something you should see on the big screen. So go do it. Enjoy. Let us know how you like it. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Lots of fun stuff all over there, but we still have more for you because we're about to get into our community section. And next week, we are going to be talking with Marvel Snaps game designer Ben Brode. Love Ben. He's a ridiculous man who has helped design a fantastic game. We've been talking about it for a long time. I know many of you are playing it, dear listeners. So with all that in mind, our question of the week is, what are your favorite cards to use in Marvel Snap? There's a lot of ideas between like building decks. Right now, I'm running a deck I just call what? Because the <laughs> first half, I have like a mix of cards to mess people up, like Iceman, uh, Yandu, and Scorpion. And then I scoop them all up with Beast so that I can use them again if I need to. But then I, the back half is all about running Wong, and then White Tiger, and then Odin. So I just fill up my board with tigers, with, with White Tiger spirits. And it's an annoying deck. It doesn't always win, but I love it <laughs> because it's kind of a jerk deck. It's a lot of fun. I always just love Squirrel Girl. Not always the most practical card for all the time, but just really tickling and kind of annoying for others. Look, if you run Squirrel Girl with Kazar and Patriot, ooh, good tips. You're, you're throwing down. You're getting a, you're getting a good time right there. All right, you can tweet us your answers using the hashtag This Week in Marvel. Email them to twimpodcast at marvel.com, or you could send us a message on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash thisweekinmarvel. And of course, please make sure to tell us if it's okay to read on the show, and then, hey, maybe we'll read it on the show like we're going to do right now. Mm-hmm. All right, our question last week was, what was your favorite part of Marvel Studios' Black Panther Wakanda Forever? And before we get into your wonderful answers... Spoiler alert, we will be talking spoilers about the film because spoilers come through all these answers. So if you have not <laughs> seen the film or just listened to what Lorraine was saying just a few minutes ago, go see it. And then listen to this part. Yeah, 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 yeah. First up is Rebecca Gardner at BWayFan88 who says, My favorite part was the tribute to Chadwick Boseman, the funeral, the silent logo, and the beach scene at the end. Next up, we've got Red at Kersant Musain, who said the silent tribute to Chadwick was amazing. And the great introduction of Namor cannot stress this enough about how much I adore the alteration from Atlantis to Talacon. I think that's one of the things that I just think is so cool about this film is that Ryan Coogler knows how to create a society that feels realistic and true to culture that exists, but is also new and fresh in its own way and fantastical and wonderful. All right. We've got one here from Taino at Amzo, who says, definitely Namor showing Talokan to Shuri with the beautiful mm. Con La Brisa playing in the background. Oh, it's so magical. I also mm-hmm. like the moment when she is like going through the jet stream, I was like, nah, not for me. I could never be me. I would have a panic attack. 
<laughs> and then when she looks a little worried, I'm like, oh, no, uh-uh. This is the moment in the horror movie for Lorraine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up we got at Joyce Asakura S2, who said the version of Namor and his kingdom presented in Marvel Studios' Black Panther Wakanda Forever brought a lot of ethnic and cultural impact to the character and his people. Puerta is the perfect choice for the role, and Namor and Shuri scenes are a delight to watch. Great movie. Yeah, they have great chemistry. At Alex Littleheart says, as a Latina, I never felt so represented in a Hollywood movie like this. Talocan is the best thing that Marvel has brought to us. I love everything about this movie, the scenarios, songs, actors, drama, clothes. <gasps> Let's see? hear it for the clothes. The clothes. Also, just being able to see yourself in mm -hmm. one way, shape or form in the movie, in whatever it is you're enjoying means so much. So glad. Yeah, I love that. So many talented people bringing all of this together in the film. Really incredible. Next up, we got one from Anne Liel James at Anne Liel James. I'm going to say the costumes. As great as the movie is, which is fantastic, I am obsessed with the costumes. I want to see all of them, and I want to know more about the process of making them. Ruthie Carter is incredible. She won an Oscar for Marvel Studios' Black Panther, the first film. She is just one of the greatest designers, in my opinion, that has ever worked in film. Greatest of all time. Just an absolute rock star when it comes to costumes. And, you know, when I think of Namora's costumes with the tiger fish sort of headdress that she wears and the way that it floats in the water and all of the work that went into creating these costumes. I mean, also, you had to create costumes that existed on land and also looked good in water. And water does things to gravity that like pull fabric around. So you have to think of all of these amazing things. So you have to be both a beautiful designer and also just like a technical genius for how you create these kinds of costumes. It's really impressive. Jake at J, Jake MCU says, has to be Shuri, Okoye, and Riri escaping from the police. Ooh. Great scene. Great scene. Next up, we got incomparable at... It's only the chosen. <laughs> My favorite part of the movie is when Atuma broke Okoye's arm and then she snapped it back in place and went back to fighting like it was nothing. Yeah, fully like dislocated, hanging off. I think anyone who's had a dislocated limb or has seen someone with a dislocated limb knows what a baller you have to be to just like reset your arm and then keep doing stuff. I'm gonna just going to say, nope. No, thanks. Do not want that. <laughs> yeah, hard pass. At Jarel Zad says, Winston Duke's M'Baku, a great moment between him, the Royal Council, and Okoye discussing Namor. His mm. quote-unquote bald-headed demon comment made the whole theater laugh. He did a great job honoring the original M'Baku from the comics. Oh, Winston Duke, a true treasure. He is so delightful. What a, what a lovely human, but also just a lovely human to watch on screen. All right, we've got Chris at I'm smooth underscore. Who said, <laughs> These names are killing me today. Um, I have many favorite parts in the movie. The shocker was seeing Killmonger after Shuri drank the herb, thinking she was going to see the ancestors. Eric was just waiting. Are you going to be noble like your brother or take care of business like me? Yeah, a great moment. And man, Michael B. Jordan has like such charisma where i was like i don't know maybe do the bad thing <laughs> yashwanth at yashwanth 7601 says the scene where both namor and shuri stand together on the ship just goosebumps 
Next up, Angie of the Endless at St. Murdoch said, definitely the thoughtful, nuanced portrayal of Princess Shuri's grief and anger and Shuri's character in general. Like, there's so much range with her rage. She's angry at herself, ancestors, and even the world to the point that she wanted to burn it. It's a complicated thing to go through, and she really goes through the paces of all of it. Luca Dinwoody at The Next Big Thing tweeted, Shuri's lone moment crying with T'Challa's flashbacks had me emotional. Then the continuation to the post credit scene with the revelation of T'Challa and Nakia's son. Oof, I think everybody got hit by that. So good. Next, we got an email from Joe. It says, Dear Ryan, Lorraine, and James, I hope you all are doing well and that you're feeling better, Lorraine. Thank you. I am. I really enjoyed the last episode of TWIM. I especially liked your discussion with Jake Solomon about the new Marvel's Midnight Suns video game that will be coming out soon. I'm really enjoying reading the comic miniseries Midnight Suns, and the game sounds really cool. I was especially intrigued about how people who play the game will be able to hang out with heroes of the game. That sounds like a lot of fun. In answer to the question of the week, my favorite scene of Marvel Studios' Black Panther Wakanda forever was when Shuri became the Black Panther for the first time. I thought that was really amazing, and I can't wait to see how she develops in that role. And then it goes on to say, I remain your friend and humble ambassador of the People's Republic of This Week in Marvel and the United States of Marvel's fullest, Joe. Thanks, Joe. Which is going to lead us into our email from Dog Girl, who says, Hi, Ryan and Lorraine. Greetings from the newly formed South African Embassy of the Republic of This Week in Marvel. <laughs> Love to uh, see it. They say, what is a great gift to give? Well, I wanted to answer the question of the week from a couple of weeks ago because I have a bit of a story behind it. It was Black Friday when I asked my mom what she was going to get me for Christmas because I like to know what to expect. <laughs> she didn't say, but I quickly guessed. She was going to get me a copy of Marvel by Design from the local bookstore. There was only one copy on the shelf last time we checked. I accompanied my mom to the mall. I came with to buy the book. Not 100% sure how this happened. When we got to the checkout counter, last copy in hand, the women working at the store went nuts. The book had been there for a while, and they did not want to part with it. They hugged it, <laughs> although yelling in excitement for my part, jumping up and down and telling me to bring my mom coffee and tea for the foreseeable future. It makes me really happy to find Marvel fans everywhere. Aww. As for which Midnight Suns member do I want for my character's best friend, if I could manage to even get the game, which I probably won't, I don't really like this type of game, I would go for Captain Marvel. I always enjoy Carol so much. Thanks again for being the best podcast on Earth. Also, P.S., my Spotify wrapped is very Ms. Marvel. My wrapped was like unhinged cannot share ever we don't use spotify but youtube music which i use did one and every night at dinner i tell it to play music and i ask Catherine, what do you want to hear almost every night she says hungry like the wolves uh which is <laughs> hungry like the wolf by duran duran so yes, it is yes. we played it 52 times this year and we are in the top 0.8 percent of all duran duran listeners on on youtube <laughs> All right. Next up, we got an email from JC answering a previous question of the week where we asked about that Marvel's Midnight Suns character. It says, hi, Ryan and Lorraine. I hope you had a great holiday weekend, and I want to let you know I'm thankful for you. Hearing from you guys every week gives me a huge boost of joy and fun in my busy college life, especially with finals coming. In answer to the question of the week, I am definitely going to be best friends with Peter Parker and Marvel's Midnight Suns. I feel like Peter is one of the most personable of the heroes on the team, and it would 
would be easy to just chill and talk with him, especially as someone who is bad at starting conversations. Thanks again, and keep up the good work. Um, yeah, you can always just like count on Peter Parker to fill the silence. I'm sure he's very uncomfortable with silence and just is like, blah, 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 whatever. <laughs> I got things to say. <laughs> yeah. We got an email from Jacob Arkin, who also answered our question about which Marvel's Midnight Suns character would you like your character to be friends with? Jacob says, first time writing in, in Marvel's Midnight Suns, I will want to be best friends with Doctor Strange. He's my favorite character and has never really had an important role in a video game before. I'm very excited that he is finally going to have a real role and can't wait to see where the game goes. And he says, P.S. Okay, fine. I'll be friends with Magic too. Thank you, Jacob. That is the correct answer. I am glad you are on board the Magic Train. We did it. We Another did it. one in the books. Yes, indeedy. All right. This episode of This Week in Marvel was produced by Zachary Goldberg, Isabel Robertson, Lorraine Sink, and Ryan Panagos. Our senior manager of audio production and development is Brad Burton. Hey, Brad. Jill DeBoff is our director of audio. Special thanks to Krampus. Have you been a bad boy or girl? Well, get your Krampus cramping, because it's Krampus time, Mother Krampers. Krampus for all. I'm Ryan. I'm Lorraine. And this is Marvel. Your universe. And the action, did I say action?